they were like, hey, we need someone to do dealer trades. And I'm like, do what? They're like, car? yeah, not I, drugs? no, not not dealer <laughs> trades, um, but more car trades. Car, Thank you for oh, clear, got it, got it. clearing that up. Um, no, I mean, I'm probably the only one you need right. to clear. That, that was pretty out funny. Out of anyone listening, <laughs> I don't even know if the mic picked it up, but you can figure it out. Oh yeah, out of anyone listening, I can assure you I'm the only one who would have thought that. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Learn By Doing podcast. I am your host, Sue Brooks, and today I have with me Pastor Joey Alcala. And so glad to be here. Honored to be here with you guys. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. Absolutely. So, Pastor Joey, your current role right now is you are at Oaks Church here in Red Oak, Texas. Yes, ma'am. And you are the next gen pastor. I am. Next I gen am. stands for generation, not that's, Jennifer. Nope, generation. Yeah, generation. In case you were confused. So, for so, all the audible learners. Right. So, that yeah. encompasses kids, youth, and young adults. Yeah. Zero through whatever young adults is. Yeah. Many ages. Many ages. I've heard. Yeah. What is young adults? That's um, what, that's the, the big discussion. 25, 28. That's a hard one. Cause if you're a kid, if you're zero years old, that's just non-negotiable and you can't be offended if no, you're zero, you're zero. There's only one way to go. Well, if you have a vague young adult, you might offend somebody. Absolutely. I'm not young or, oh, you calling me old? I feel like I'm a young adult. Same. But I wouldn't be a young adult. Yeah, me either. I mean, you're in the position where you could change that. You realize, like, I, I was going to move it to like mid forties. <laughs> yeah, that's what you should do. <laughs> so babies to mid forty five. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to mid forty five. I'm forty five and six months old. I'm still a young adult, but tomorrow I won't be. Man, I'll tell you what though. The whole thing about being old and be offended. I'm so not into that. Nope. I think I've alluded to that a couple of times on this podcast. It is such an honor to grow older. I mean, like, I mean, we've lasted that long, mm -hmm. you know, and Absolutely. there's wisdom that comes mm -hmm. hopefully with, with the age and it is a beautiful thing, but yeah, those, these formative years that are from zero to, yeah. you know, those, they're really important. Absolutely. It's been, it's been a new role and, uh, but as far as, uh, alignment and what God can do. It's, it's pretty amazing, but yeah, we're still trying to discuss what that, um, young adults, when we, when we land on that, I'll let you know. Okay, sure. good. Hey, but seriously, if it's 45 and a half, I want in on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would naturally be in on that. Okay. I want to tell a story about the first time I met you. Okay. I don't know if you remember this, uh -oh, but I uh -oh. feel like maybe you do. Okay. No, you don't need a uh oh at all. <laughs> so I was volunteering in Oaks kids. Okay. I might've been team lead. But I was in a classroom and a certain man came up to fetch one of his daughters, but he didn't have his ticket, you know, like the number Yeah, yeah. and the, or the alphanumeric code that you pair up for to get safety, safety, kids first, safety, safety right? First. You That's can't pick right. up the child if you don't have that alphanumeric code or whatever it was at the time. And I said, I'm so sorry. I really can't let her go until I see the code and and this guy said, oh, oh yeah, no, no, that's okay. Had to walk like clear across the church to fetch it from his wife and then came back. And by that time, my husband was at the door and you, Joey Alcala, <laughs> were that father. <laughs> I was gonna say, yes. wasn't that me? You're like, this sounds from, I don't usually write myself into stories, but I think this is me. <laughs> so Brian goes, Sue, 
that's Joey Alcala. I was like, who's Joey Alcala? He goes, Sue, he's on staff. Did you really just ask him for the ticket? But you were so like, okay, so that's hilarious. Yes, you were so good natured about it. Oh, just good. a huge Ooh. smile on your face. I know, I think last week, you'd, the week before you'd punched someone out. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. No, you were so good natured about it. You were really what every model parent would do. But you were the pastor and you didn't at least externally get offended that I did not know who you were, you know, or what role. I don't, was it a, were you a pastoral position? Yeah. What does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, embarrassing for me, but no, you were, um, that was one of my first impressions of you. And it's a leadership lesson. We're never above the, uh, we're, we're never above other people, regardless of our, our position. It's never above us to submit to the rules. And, and I think you understood that I was trying to keep your child safe. I think you valued that. I hope you valued that. Sorry you had to walk <laughs> those extra, um, I feel like I owe you a scooter to save you some steps to make up for that. But no, that was one of my first impressions of you. I thought he could have gotten really agitated and, and shown me visually how agitated he was, but you smiled and you were really nice and probably, I think you just laughed it off, you know? So that you set a great first impression. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't catch me on a bad day. <laughs> so that's really good but it probably had to do with your how you handled it too because you'll hand you'd handled it excellent and i shouldn't i should have probably had the tag and i'm glad it oh. worked out well so i'm glad the story ended well it, and it wasn't ended. a man you really blew it that one time when you got mad and pushed right. me down and took I, your daughter <laughs> <laughs> well come on let's be honest though because we know that stuff actually oh, wow. yes yeah that stuff actually happens i'm taking her anyway that's happened to me before and it's just like, no, uh, uh, security. <laughs> Safety first. Thank you for caring Safety about my first. kids. Yeah. So what I thought on that day was, you know what I would love to do? Interview Pastor Joey for a podcast. And that's it, that, that <laughs> and was the are. birth of it. That was the birth. That was like six or seven years. And the dream. Like that. Yeah. And here we are. And here we are. It's, it's the dream. Where do we even go from here? We've come a long way <laughs> to young adults. That's true. Now what? We're we're at the upper end of young adults, but we're still young adults. <laughs> this is so good. Okay, so you were at that time then. So we're gonna go a little. Oh no, I was gonna ask you what you what your role was at that time. Let me just finish that thought, and t and you can tell me at the Oaks what was your first role here. Okay, um, I transitioned into a, an assistant spiritual formations. At that time, everything was kind of conglomerated into uh, spiritual growth. So discipleship, baptism. Uh, new believers was all small groups was all in one large department okay. and so actually me and my wife came on to help that department move forward okay yes so like right now it is connections is one group of that and then groups is its own yep. group of that but back then it was called spiritual formation absolutely well then it was shortly after that that you became the kids pastor yeah so you did that for some how many years did uh, you do that? six years almost oh yeah it's hard to believe Wow. Yep. That was fun. Yep. So about right. six months in, um, God had really done some awesome things in our heart. You know, in, in ministry, sometimes it's just you carry so much weight and you're, you know, spiritually and, and there could be compassion burnout or like just the grind of ministry. We came in and we were needed some healing. Mm -hmm. um, God, man, did some incredible things in me and my wife. And at that time, pastor's like, hey, now that you know, you're at a, a better place. We have some positions at the church that I'd like you to really pray about stepping into. So it was either kids, uh, 
small groups or spiritual formations, we were going to break it up. And um, I really felt like kids was where I, where I needed to go. Didn't have a lot of experience running um, kids department, had done some kids stage stuff, but just really felt like God saying, hey, um, you're being, God had really been dealing with me on being intentional with my girls. Like mm-hmm. really, hey, you're a dad. These are, this is your biggest discipleship calling of any. And so I need you really to be intentional with them and they're, and they're, you helping them find me and hear my voice and knowing their identity and purpose. And so as soon as pastor asked me about the three, and, and it was funny because it's kind of in a, a little flippant at the end, he was like, and, it, and kids, but I know that's probably not something that you want to do, but you, you could probably help staff it. And um, that God kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, if you can be intentional with your two girls, how about being intentional with the, you know, two, three, four, five hundred kids wow. and spiritual, you know, be a spiritual parent to them. So that's kind of how the journey started. And then, you know, six years later, um, man, I, it's really cool to see what God did during that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. What? Well, okay. This is really neat because I just interviewed Pastor Kate Guajardo yes. a little a little bit ago. Yeah. And her heart's the same. It was. I have a mothering for her, her and her wording was, I have a heart to mother. Yeah. And God showed me, it's not just your children. Absolutely. They're very important, but it actually expands beyond that. So yep. I've always loved uh, the kids ministry here. It's yeah. been great. And to know that, and I, and I referenced that too in, in the podcast with Pastor Kate, that you know before that was Ani mm-hmm. and then you and mm-hmm. then Kate. And just to know that these people have are so invested because they actually have little ones and they're, and they're going through it right now. And and the things are so very close to their heart yeah. is really great. And then, and I think that transfers too. I mean, you're over young adults now and your, yeah. your kids are getting older and yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a great opportunity that you have. It's so amazing. That, yeah. I think it's something that's really needed. It doesn't matter what age you are. God calls us disciple and be mm-hmm. a spiritual parent or spirit, you know, father or mother. It's missing. You know, when mm-hmm. you look at statistically and you look at the divorce rate, you look at the hurting families out there you look at these kids who have gone through traumatic the one thing that can really be a salve for that is men and women of God saying I'm going to take up the the call no matter my age to really parent and love and disciple and you don't have to be a a parent of your own to start Mm -hmm. that journey and when your kids grow up as an as an older more mature adult you can continue to disciple and pour into and I love that we're at a place that allows us to do that yes and I think too, with 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 young adults and youth and kids ministry, there's an unconditional love that you yes. have. So when you're a parent, you have an unconditional love with your children, which almost comes naturally, mm-hmm. and it seems a little easier to do. Yes, right. But when it's someone else's child, yes. you know, and maybe you didn't like what they did that week, you the the choices can sometimes be a little more difficult to make because you know you can just send them home with mom and dad. But yes. the real love comes in showing is, you know what, you're not going home with me today, but I still love you and I yep. still care about you and value you. And yep. yeah, kids, man, they just thrive off of that. Yes, they they need that unconditional love that they don't have to perform Absolutely. for love. I mean, in school... And it makes sense because in the context, you've got to make a good grade and you're wanting to track development. I should say to an extent that's healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can go, it can be unhealthy and go overboard sometimes. But to just be in an environment where just because you are created in the image of God, you are loved. Yeah. And it's by people. Now, and you help to train up people because you had your own staff. Yep. 
and interns as well. Absolutely. So, um, okay, so I watched you in that role too. And one thing I noticed about you, Joey, as a leader, is that you're really approachable. You make yourself, the way you carry yourself, your body language, the expression on your face, um, communicates to other people, I am approachable, I am friendly, I'm not... I'm going to get a job done and I will confront things that are wrong, but you don't need to be scared of me. Yeah. Um, it, you almost demand respect, but but not in a scary, rude kind of way. Thank so, you. yeah, that was just, is that something that you feel was modeled for you or that the Lord worked out in you that maybe you learned the hard way? How did that, um, how did your awesomeness come about? Tell well, the world well, how to be. <laughs> I appreciate you, you saying that. Uh, I definitely modeled for me something. Um, but the great thing about it, it can be learned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the the pastor in Phoenix that I work with is Pastor Barnett. And um, if you've ever been around the uh, man. Tommy? Yes, Tommy Barnett. Uh, Tommy Sr. Pastor Joey just said he worked for Pastor Tommy Barnett. Google yes. him if you don't know who that is. Yes, you need to. Yeah. He's, he's a phenomenal man. Yeah. And if you ever spend any time with him, although his church is massive, mm-hmm. when it was you and him, it was all you and him. I mean, there I mm-hmm. I remember there was times that me and Stacy would walk in this massive mega church and he would meet us at the door and he would take time to look my girls in the eye and love on them and he knew our names and he loved us and he cared for us when my wife went through some stuff he called her and made sure with her heart hey how you Mm -hmm. doing and that was long after we had served with him and the impact that it made on me I said hey I want to be that same way everywhere Mm -hmm. I go I want people to be valued I don't care if they're a child. I don't care if they're where they're at in life. I want them to know that they matter to God, and so they matter to me. And that's a statement that we have as a family is if people matter to God, they're going to matter to you. Mm -hmm. And my dad lives that. Um, He's just very genuine and and loving. (laughs) And so I wish I'd say I hit that out of the park all the time. Um, You know, there are definitely times that, you know, your your energy's running low or, you know, you're human. But, man, Mm -hmm. for the most part, my goal would be man when after people leave they feel they uh, they have a belief in themselves and a belief in the savior that died for them and they see that through me and um and I'm just thank you for saying that but mm-hmm. I feel like that's we all should walk around that way yes um, we've all served leaders that they've led out of their position mm-hmm. and um are they've led out of harshness or they've led out of you need to do this and if you don't this is going to happen I really believe if people know that you love them and you set an expectation for them and excellence, they're going to hit that out of the park. Yeah. And so yeah. I feel like my leadership style is very democratic. I want to hear from people. Um, I want I want them to speak into it um, because we're going to come out with a better decision mm-hmm. if we if we have more input than just my own. I never want to be the smartest one in the room, and, and usually I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but at the fact of man, if you can get input you're going to be better as a leader. And so if you love people and you allow them to, you know, um, speak into it, you're going to get a better result. Yeah. Hey, practical question here. Absolutely. um, Speaking of getting input from other people. Absolutely. There becomes a challenge sometimes where you have to tactfully say, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Like you have yeah. to kind of shut it down because they keep going. What are, um, have you had to do that? I'm of course you have had to do that. Yeah. What are some, what are some Joey, I'll call it practical ways. Wow. A lot of it's how you frame it. And, and when I'm dealing with people, I always think about how would I feel if someone said that to me? That's so uh, good. So just having empathy of, okay, 
if I were on the other side of the table and my leader, someone who I trust and someone who I respect said that to me, is it going to help me grow or is it going to hurt me? And so when you frame it like that before you go into a conversation, but then it's just the truth and love. If you really love someone, you're going to be honest with them. Mm -hmm. So to say, you know, simple things like, hey, you know, that um, thank you so much for that idea. I don't think we're going to use it this time. But, you know, thank you for bringing it. I love that feedback and just move on. So a lot of it is you don't have to you don't have to sugarcoat it too much. Mm -hmm. If they know you love them, then you can say you can speak the truth in love. The The problem is if they don't know that there's love involved, then that's when there starts being rub and frustration. So I would say just put yourself in their shoes and say, hey, if, this is how I would want to be treated if it were someone, and man, that saves me a lot because I think about it. And I'm like, man, I don't, I wouldn't want someone to say that this way or that way. I do want someone to love me, and I want someone to be truthful with me. Mm -hmm. And and if I can do those things, man, ninety nine percent of the time it goes great. And the the times it doesn't, it's usually something they're needing to work through. And then you right. can help coach that and love them offline. That's good. I, a lot of times there is for some people, I know I can be this way. There's an initial resistance yeah. if someone doesn't like, because I mean, you kind of put your heart in your soul and it came <laughs> yeah. from your brain. So it hurts that, you know, other people don't like it and you thought you're clever or maybe you thought it was the Holy spirit <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I'm not hearing God, I guess. Okay. But, um, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes it is that initial sting. Yeah. And so, yes, sometimes it's the other person having to process okay, I don't want to take this personally yeah. because my leader loves me. Yeah. And really, you've been intentional. You know, I've, I've kind of talked about it a little bit, and I would think that naturally it occurs within the culture that you're building already before you even go into that meeting. Yeah. Your staff knows that you love them, that you value them, yeah. you want to see them grow. And I just, they're, you know, one of the most frustrating things for me personally is when someone, out of an attempt to be kind and to save my feelings, is not honest with me. Oh, come on. Because you're then dealing, in my eyes, with a very dishonest person Absolutely. who's afraid to tell the truth. So yep. now you're, I'm going to be brutal right now because yeah. I'm not actually addressing an actual person. So okay, I couldn't actually say this is someone's face. <laughs> um, but now you're being a coward yes. and you're being a liar. Absolutely. And that's really, that's a harsh words, but that is what it communicates. Yep. You have to say it lovingly, but you have to tell the truth. Well, so. if you don't, if you don't tell the truth, then they're not going to believe you mm -hmm. no matter what you say. But if you tell the truth and, and you're doing it out of love, yes, it's probably going to hurt their feelings, but would you rather hurt them their feelings knowing that you told the truth in love or would you rather hurt their feelings after the fact they find out that you were lying and you're discredited and you can never lead them again? Right. And so yeah. I'm by nature very uh, sanguine people. I love people. I don't want people to be mad at me. I don't want people to be frustrated with me. Well, in the in the chair that I sit at, that's impossible. Any leader yeah. can't yeah. sit in a place where everyone's happy with them. If if everyone's happy with you, you're not leading very well. Mm -hmm. And so, what I have to realize, if I love this person enough, then I'm going to be honest with them. If I love them enough, I'm not going to hurt them because I love them. And so, love drives that. And then you can speak very frankly and very honest. And what's what's awesome is even the times I've had to say something or speak to someone and it's hurt them man, they come back later and say, thank you for being honest with me. I know you love me. This is the greatest thing. The times I've tried to save feelings is the times that I've gotten myself in trouble. Mm. And it's yeah. really caused pain. Um, I, I think of a hire that I had that I should have let go probably six months before I did. And man, the relationship to this day is pretty 
pretty still, you know, pretty bad. And it's yeah. because of the fact that if I would have not tried to, I, I believe in people and I want to develop people, but there was a moment when everyone was like, hey, Pastor Joey, it's time. My my bosses were telling me that. And so I took that to note, but it probably would have been a lot easier had I said in the front end, hey, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to work. I love you. And just let it, let it go. Yeah. That is a challenge when, when you are wondering when it's time to address the situation, oh, when's it time to let them grow. Mm-hmm. And that is why we all have support around us, yes. um, other leaders around us speaking into us. Absolutely. So th- these are great organizational and leadership principles that Thank you're you. telling just for your story. I, I love that. Thank you. So before, now you mentioned being at Tommy Barnett's church. Yep. And, but before you came to the Oaks, yes. tell us where you were. Oh, wow. So I went... Um, really the physical address. <clears throat> the physical no. <laughs> address and phone number and social security yeah, yeah, number. All yeah, that. yeah, we'll give it all. <laughs> so I went, um, I finished my junior and senior year in one year in, in, in high school. In high school, okay. And went to Master's Commission in I mean, Phoenix. He's not bragging, but. I'm not bragging, but <laughs> I just didn't like school and I wanted to get done. Oh, really? And I knew where I was headed. So I'm like, dude, I want to get, I want to get here. Okay. And so I just took night school and played sports still did i was really busy oh, really but it was just wow. really busy yeah yeah <laughs> um, i knew i knew I, w- I wanted to go to phoenix and so i went to a discipleship program called master's commission okay in, and, Fe- in, in phoenix, phoenix at that church uh-huh. okay and, and that's where i met my beautiful wife and yes, so Stacey. so many blessings so yes are you okay that i said her name yes absolutely <laughs> she is definitely my better half and um was there for about nine years and then I left with the with one of the executive pastors from Phoenix First. Now it's called Dream City Church, and we planted a church in North Dallas. Okay, and can we back up real quick? Yes, we can. So you went through Master's yep, Commission, went through and Masters. then were you working for? Yep, and I was, leading. Yep, on staff there. Okay, um, that's why you're there for nine. Masters. It's not a nine-year program. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't fail eight times. Okay, um, I don't think I did. I might have. Oh, was, uh, was it a one-year? Yeah. Pro- okay. It, yeah, one year, and I just <laughs> okay. failed eight times. Right. But I finally got it. Thank I finished you, my junior senior year at one and one sweet, but but it not took masters. me nine. It took me nine tries to get through yeah. masters. Yeah. Uh, so my our second year, we started running the discipleship portion of the program. Okay. And um, so basically, we were um, in charge of the students. 24-7, their tracks, their leadership, their development. And we did that and kept growing. And then I started working with the International Network, Master's Commission International. Okay. And um, so I did that. Was that housed in Phoenix? That also? was in Phoenix as well. Now, did this all originate from that area? It did, yep. Yeah. It's oh, from Pastor like Burnett's church. I yeah. didn't know that. Absolutely. Oh, That's where okay. Master's began. And yeah. um, there was uh, a few guys that kind of started the initial, and then um, it started growing from there. Okay. Crazy. So my context for for masters is when I was in uh, university in Virginia, not not UVA. I went to a, a different university called Christopher Newport. But I remember being at Barnes and Noble yeah. to to study and um, seeing a young high school girl with her Bible, or no, she was like young college age, young adult with the Bible, and I was like, oh, someone has their Bible. You just didn't see that where I was. Yeah. And come to find out they were master's commission. They were talking to me and asking, how are you? Do you read the Bible? And I thought, y'all actually love Jesus. It was really cool. So that was my first impression was really devoted followers of Christ who were also very, um, very much servant leaders too. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry that I didn't know. Oh, no. A worries. lot of it, but that's interesting to learn. Yeah, it was great. Um, okay. Love the years there. A lot of just, you know, working with young people to find their next step and helping develop them in different hands on ministry 
training. A lot of them are all over the, the world now mm-hmm. and, and doing some great things at churches or they're a part of different, um, different endeavors going on. So it was an amazing time. So I left that and went with an executive pastor and, and started planning uh, a church in North Dallas. And that was a, man, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. North Dallas, planted a church. Yes. Do you want to say what years that that, that you, was? Do you you know what? I would if I knew exactly. Okay. Um, I'm, I kind of ballpark them. It was probably about um, around 2010. Oh, okay. So 2009, 2010. Okay. Um, and uh, it was what an experience that was. Yeah. Church planning. Uh, we, we went through a church merge. And so I was the executive pastor there. Wow. And um, so the learnings that I learned from that wow, yeah. were um, invaluable. And uh, I just thank God for them. It was a rough season. It was a mm-hmm. tough season. I mean, church planting in and of itself is is its own thing, is difficult. And then a church merge, and you walked through them both. Yes, it was. Yeah. It what was, was your was role fun. in the church plant? I was the executive pastor there. Okay. So we had the senior pastor, okay. uh, the executive, and then we had a team that came out with us. Um, so we, we got to start with a oh, that's with nice. the core, which was awesome. Um, so and then we just started growing from there. And the church merged. I stayed executive, and we worked through that together. Church is still going. Uh, I have a great pastor there. And uh, But, man, I, I think one of the, my biggest learnings through that whole thing is I had in my mind my game plan. Like I knew my end target and I was heading there. I was excited for it. And then God said, Hey, that's not what I want you to do anymore. And so I began to realize that, that he works more in seasons than he Mm -hmm. does in the long journey. Like there are seasons of life that he wants to grow us and change us and navigate. But man, for some reason I had in my mind, I start at a, and then I, you know, and then I walk down the path and then I'll get to where he has what he has for me. But he's so much more concerned about our growth and development than uh, us being comfortable or us meeting our goal. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, Joey, I love you enough that I'm going to have to throw a wrench in your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want you to live my plan. And that was that season of our life. So did that in that wrench in your plan, yeah. then were you no longer in that position yep. as executive pastor? Yeah, about a, about a week before we resigned, mm-hmm. um, me, me and Stacy were, were praying and just had a really really an uneasiness in our hearts and our spirit. And we just felt like the grace was lifting. Didn't want it to, mm-hmm. um, didn't feel like it was the, the most, uh, first of all, I didn't have a backup plan and I had two girls and a mortgage and a wife. And, but I really felt like God was saying, um, that the season's changing, went to bed and just laid there all night. And one thing, two things I can do really well, I can eat and sleep mm-hmm. really well. <laughs> And um, hey, for, yeah, you can know, do that too. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. some of my spiritual giftings. <laughs> and, and I remember, yeah. and I remember um, not being able to go to sleep and just, okay. s- s- you know, staying up in bed. I didn't feel like it was anything bad. I just felt like a stirring. And then Stacy, same way, like, and we just started talking, and and I and I just told her I feel like it's time for us to resign from our place as executive pastor and running the international network. It's it's time, and. Um, so we decided to, uh, God, this is what you want. We're going to sleep on it. I, after I said that, I got a few hours of sleep and talked to the pastor the next day and the next week. That was our, our last week there. So no backup plan. Wow, that's no, fast. Um, that was, yeah, extremely fast. I felt like for us to stay there when we knew we weren't supposed to be mm-hmm. there, they were making a lot of changes for the future, and I didn't want to be a part 
you know, I didn't want to hinder them by giving my input when I wasn't going to be on the bus, mm-hmm. you know, and so. That's um, wise of you. Well, they're considerate. It, it was hard, you know, yeah. part of me wanted to stay and, mm-hmm. um, but it was a great, it was a great break for, for, for us and for the church as hard as it was, cause there's relationships and yeah. people you love and, but I feel like they knew that, you know, it was God and we knew it was God. And so laid that down, no job, you wow. know, um, and just said, God, okay, if that's what, if you, that's what you want from us and, uh, went into one of the greatest seasons of, uh, of our life and growth and development and trust and love. And, um, it was, it was amazing. So what did that look like for you? Well, um, you know, you, you hear the stories of people that get like checks in the mail. Mm-hmm. Never happened to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, tell me all yeah. about it. Well, oh. it never happened to me until the week after we resigned. So we resigned oh. on a Monday mm-hmm. uh, or a Sunday. On a Monday, I went out to my mailbox and a friend of mine had emailed me a check and just said, I feel like the Lord wants me to give this to you. Wait, emailed you? Or sorry, to email oh. me. Uh, mailed <laughs> snail, me. Snail mail? Snail mailed. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. thing, the envelope in the yeah. mailbox. Yeah. And um, I opened it up and the check was enough for our all of our expenses for that month. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But also, can you back up what what yeah. what was impressed upon the friend's heart? He just, just said to... that the Lord wanted us to have this. Oh, he wow. felt like to use it however you want to. And obviously, he had to send that snail mail, you know, mm-hmm. like three or four days or, you know, before. Yeah. And had so, to go through the postal system. You guys know what that is? Yeah, postal system? Yeah, postal. There was no Amazon Prime <laughs> to send your mail for you. Yeah. And so, so God, it was working. That's what, I just love stuff like this. So it was in the works. Yeah, God, God is like, mm-hmm. hey, I got you. And mm-hmm. he was just like, hey, I know it's not the plans that you had, but it's the plans that I have for you. And so it's just seasons of that, you know, for the next uh, about a year and a half of being out of vocational ministry that we really got to be in more of a... a a non-vocational atmosphere and really love others and love Jesus. And man, it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. That's so good. Do you, do you want to get into the specifics? Absolutely. So we, I decided that I probably couldn't live without a paycheck for too long. Right. You know, like it just with the girls and Stacy. (laughs) Um, but we just, I just started doing odd jobs with, with friends. I, I I did dealer trades. If you know what that is, Mm -mm. um, you actually, a friend of mine owns, um, his his buddy and then his wife is the CFO of a dealership in uh, Louisville where we were at, and they're like, "Hey, we need someone to do dealer trades." And I'm like, "Do what?" They're like, car? "Yeah, not I, no, not not dealer <laughs> trades, um, but more car trades." Car, Thank you for oh, clearing, got it, got it. clearing that up. Um, no, I mean I'm probably the only one you need right, to clear that. That was pretty out funny. of anyone listening. <laughs> I don't even know if the mic picked it up, but you can figure it out. Oh yeah, out of anyone listening, I can assure you, I'm the only one who would have thought that. <laughs> a vehicle, vehicle, a vehicle uh, dealer, trade. vehicle dealer trades. Yeah, dealership. Yeah, got it. Dealership. Um, and got so, it. what what you do is when someone buys a car, you, and it's on a different lot, like say in Houston or in Oklahoma, you take the brand new car and you drive it to the other lot, and then you grab another brand new car and you bring it back to the lot, and they pay you per hours and they like pay your meal per mile. Sorry. Mm-hmm. They pay, pay for your food. And so I did dealer trades for several months oh, and wow. you know, they would call you, Hey, tomorrow I need you to drive down to Houston, pick up a, you know, a Jeep and bring, you know, bring back a Camaro. I got to drive some really cool cars, wow. but so That's I did fun. dealer trades for a while. Um, okay. I, then I worked with a buddy and did at the same time I did pest control. 
Mm-hmm. And so he has a pest control company in North Dallas, great friend of mine. Oh, that reminds and, um, me. You need, yeah. you need some of that yeah. going on. I keep going. What about the crickets? Are y'all getting oh, crickets? We're not where we are, but. Oh, they are the oh, worst. I found thing. one in the back of my rental car. Did you really? Yesterday. No, it's horrible. I thought it was a nice. But addition. thinking of pest control, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, so you're getting them out here in Waxahachie? Yes, big time. Yeah. It's horrible. But it's really bad here, guys. Yeah. I don't know if any other place in Texas is like that, but it is actually really bad. This is a valid conversation. Don't tune out now. Absolutely. This is really important. Stay tuned. We need compassion. We need compassion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I need it for other stuff, but not the crickets. (laughs) (laughs) So, pest control. When Sue was doing the interview. No, I love this. Yeah. So, did pest control um, Mm -hmm. for several months too. So, dealer trades, pest control. Stacy started working at a preschool in uh, Frisco the Frisco area. So I decided, Hey, I've always wanted to either work for Starbucks or Apple. Mm-hmm. And so I put my resume in for Apple for a store management um, cohort that they had like an interview process. I didn't hear anything from them for like four months, but then they got back to me, but I just said, Hey, I want to work for Starbucks. I just went to two random Starbucks. This is funny. One in the mall up there in Frisco. Mm-hmm. And they said they don't need anybody, which is crazy because they never say that, but God knew what he was doing. Yeah. I went to another store and I met the store manager, um, his wife. And she, um, he, she tells, tells me that her, her husband's store in another store is hiring. So long story short, like God put me exactly where I needed to be. The guy that the store manager was there, he's like, Hey, yeah, I, I'm going to hire you and I'll actually bump your pay up. So instead of $8 an hour, you're going to make eight twenty-five an hour. Wow. Right. I and mean, so, living on, you know, living that high, for high, four, absolutely. four people. Yeah. Four people. And so <laughs> good stuff. I just said, Hey, I'm going to work for Starbucks for wow. a couple months yeah. and, and then I'll kind of go into what's next. Cause I didn't put my resume out. I wasn't looking for any ministry position jobs. I wasn't really sure that I even wanted to go back into ministry. Okay. Like, you weren't and, really sensing the Lord telling you to do no, that. At not that really. Time. It not was, really. Was, was it kind of silent yes. in that regard? Absolutely. It was, it was God saying, I want it to be about me and you, uh, not about min- vocational wow. ministry, not about you building something. I want it to be me and you. I want, I want depthness. I want roots, Mm -hmm. but it was hard. Yeah. Like it was really difficult because my identity, what I found out was wrapped up in, in, in what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and even though it was good, you know, it was, it was ministry. It wasn't, it wasn't God. It wasn't himself that I was really going after it. It's not like I threw him aside. It was more like I kind of bumped him off, um, a little bit Mm -hmm. and God was like, Hey, um, let's do this together. And so you're very silent at that time, but I felt really close to him mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And so working at Starbucks, uh, loving on people and, uh, started moving, moving up with Starbucks. So it was crazy. Wow. Well, I know you like coffee now. I love coffee. I see a lot of your, um, oh, social man. media posts have to do with the, are they pour overs or various? It, various. The, various. Okay. Let's love coffee. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Talk about different. So I, man, I I love every brewing method because I'm I'm kind of a coffee nerd. Mm -hmm. I know like. I'm like that. uh, You said coffee nerd instead of coffee snob. That sounds so much nicer. Well, here's my thing. Joey's not a snob. He's a coffee nerd. You know what though? I think people need to, um, when they're talking about coffee snobs, they only drink. I think they need to let people enjoy coffee the way they want to enjoy coffee. Yes. If you want to put (laughs) half a cup of creamer in your coffee, go for it, it. man. I'm not going to do that, but you can. Right, like if right, you want right. to put chocolate or syrups in there or whipped cream or mm-hmm. where it's barely even Hot a coffee, sauce. 
I'm hot sauce. I'm not going to judge you. Right. So I, I think people should be less judgy when it comes to coffee and just let people yeah. drink what coffee let they want. Let them have fun with their coffee. It's fine. So no, I love all types of coffee. Um, I got with Starbucks. I did the black apron training. So like that's like the coffee master training that you could do. And Ooh, so that's like a, it's that. like a, a college within Starbucks that's all about coffee tasting and regions and process and brewing methods. And so I kind of jumped into that, started reading books about it, listening to podcasts about it. And Whoa. I know. That's I know. intense. Yeah. Reading books. Absolutely. Common, listening to podcasts. Common Grounds is a phenomenal book on the history of coffee, like how it started, where it's at now. Should we and put so, that in the link? Yeah. And so <laughs> in the it, description. Yeah. And yeah it's, Common Grounds. It's amazing. If you want to look at like history. So yeah. yeah, I jumped into it and I love coffee. Someone joked with me um, on the way up here and saying, Hey, you're with your um, position now. Do you have to go find every new cop coffee shop every other day? <laughs> I'm like, that's really funny. That's yeah. great. That's great. I love the smell of coffee. Yes. And when people actually, I noticed you smelled like coffee when you guys came up here. I thought, yes, I love the smell of coffee. It just makes me so happy. So I'm not a coffee snob. I just like the smell of coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you um, have to work people through their addictions? With <laughs> 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 that's been the plan all along get them hooked and then take them through yeah, the then, liver then take, it, take them off there do you know I actually had uh, a time where God was calling me to fat I could not stop drinking coffee I, I couldn't stop but it was unusual it just wasn't right mm -hmm. so I don't diss on anybody who drinks coffee yeah but it started in college and then it amped up when I was dealing with anxiety and just yeah. dealing with spiritual oppression mm -hmm. and the coffee consumption was really bad and I would try to quit and I couldn't and I couldn't and uh, I just physically felt ill and I knew all the withdrawal symptoms but I couldn't do that because I had my children yeah and I just couldn't have a season of withdrawal but God called me to a fast and a couple things happened in that fast but one of the really significant ones was the caffeine withdrawal and I've never gone back to drinking caffeine oh, so when I on. drink I do decaf yeah because I still love it and I there's probably I think some caffeine you would know is there a yeah. little bit of caffeine in decaf yeah, anyway it, a little bit just okay. not much at all Okay. It so, would be more like drinking like tea. Okay. Um, low, low level tea. Low level. Low tea. level caffeine. Yeah. So that's my story. Yeah. So I, I, but I, so even though I don't consume caffeine, yeah. cause I won't even drink tea either. Um, I still love it when I see, when I hear you talk about coffee and when I see you post about it, it's yeah. just still really fun for me. Cause I just love the flavor. I really do. I, it's become a hobby, like something that relaxes me and just something fun to do. I, I love making coffee for other people who mm -hmm. enjoy it. Um, even though some of them will make fun of me because they're like, you are really way too into this. Yeah. Especially my, one of my best buddies. Like I'll make him this awesome cup. I'll spend like four minutes, measure it out. I'm talking grams, water, temperature, and it's beautiful. And then he just pours so much sugar in it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and again, I'm telling people not, not to snob. judge. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't say anything, but I'm like, man, I hope, hope you enjoy it, yeah. buddy. You want them to taste that base flavor that you work so absolutely <laughs> so hard at. It's so funny, and the fact that you measure in grams, yes, to me just speaks devotion. Well, thank you, because we're not trying to use grams out here in the Western world, unless you're in the medical field. <laughs> we're, hey, we're bringing it back. We're bringing yeah, it back. One cup that. of coffee at a time. Yes. So. Well, so tell me about some of the experiences you've been able to have in your position as next gen generation pastor. Yeah, absolutely. It's um it, it's an, a massive opportunity of alignment. I think something that the that we've missed as the church 
is aligning kids, youth, and young adults Mm-hmm. to help grow followers and disciples of Jesus. Because mm-hmm. here's what I know, running a department, if you have a department or if you have parts of your church, they're all trying to do good things. Mm-hmm. But those good things then become a silo good thing, and then it bumps against another silo good thing. And before you know it, there isn't a fluid movement of people. It's more of a competitive, hey, I need my volunteers hey, this is my department, this is what we do. And so one thing that we've really worked on is saying, hey, we want the end result is that we're building kids to their young, adu- uh, young, adu- young adult <laughs> years where they really yeah. know how to hear the voice of God. They know their identity. They know um, who they are in Christ. They love people well, and we're going to build on that. One of the, my, it's heartbreaking when you see some you know an incredible kids ministry and a, an incredible youth ministry, but there's a gap between it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's a disconnect. I feel like our call and, and and my role now has been hey let's let's look at look at the whole spectrum, mm-hmm. and let's say hey our our win isn't for a, a child to you know from from birth to fifth grade be awesome, or from sixth grade to senior high to be awesome. Our goal is God. How many opportunities can we give these kids to experience you for who you are and be an on-ramp that we continue to grow and develop them for years and years and years because we have a congruent alignment of hearts and um, abilities to train. And so it's a really amazing position to sit in. I have an incredible staff. Pastor Andrew is our youth pastor, uh, phenomenal. And you have Pastor Kate, our kids pastor, and then Pastor Colby, our, our young adults pastor, their hearts are, hey, we're going to do this in unity. And I believe where there's unity, the power of God can move mm-hmm. like never before. If you look in, look throughout Scripture, mm-hmm. power happened when unity came, either unity with God, unity with man, usually unity with both. Mm-hmm. And so when we have unity with each other and then we're in alignment with what God wants to do, the opportunities we have are massive because you look at what's at stake. It's the, it's the hearts. It's a, it, it really eternal soul of these kids. So who am I to build a silo that stops them from continue growing on their pathway? I want to hand them off to that next ministry stronger and more willing to continue to grow in their faith walk. And so I, I see next gen, this role as a, uh, God, show me any potential places that a kid could stall out or fall through the cracks. God, give us wisdom to help these individuals grow to become disciples of Christ. Well, so practically speaking, yeah. um, then would the kids ministry have a goal in mind that the students would reach a certain point maybe in their knowledge and in their understanding and their growth prior to entering youth and Uh, is that how that plays out and then from youth to young adults absolutely i think there's two things um there's there's a pathway so like a path of Mm -hmm. where we want to go but then there's off off often you'll hear it a lot milestones Okay. Hey, there, there's milestones along, it's like the path. along the pathway that you mark, hey, this is where the Lord did something great. If you think about the Israelites, mm-hmm. when God did a miracle, what they do? They set up monuments. They set up uh, statues of, of rocks that mm-hmm. when they walked past that, they could tell their kids and grandkids and great, this is what God did at this place and in this moment. We want to give kids opportunities to have those, those momentous times in their life and have a pathway of where we want them to go. And those work together to give them an opportunity to experience God like never before. Because I know we can teach them all we want, but if they experience God for who he is, they will never be the same again. Yeah, yeah. And I, you guys 
what I notice is early on, even in the kids ministry, yeah. not too early, you know, like they have, they have to be a little bit more than walking yeah. and talking, yeah. um, but at a certain age, then they are able to become junior volunteers. Absolutely. So then you even have students volunteering. And that's such a neat thing because then they're taking on responsibility yep. and ownership, yep. uh, which carries its own appropriate weight for that, for that student. Well, it, it helps them to see it's not about them. You know, right. in, in the culture we live in, in, in the Western culture especially, it's all about us. Fast food, iPhone, you know, selfie. Mm -hmm. It's all about what I can get. This gives them an opportunity to serve and realize that it's not about who I am. So we let them serve as early as eight years old, mm -hmm. which is definitely a risk. Mm -hmm. um, usually mm -hmm. we ask their parents if, it, you know, to serve with them. But we're giving them responsibility so that at, at eight years old, they can realize it's not about me. It's about me serving and loving and being a part of what God wants to do in the whole instead of just their their piece of it. And mm -hmm. so we're trying to teach them the kingdom mindset, the, the big C mindset, as opposed to, hey, just do your thing for you. Right. Big yeah. C means big church. Absolutely. Um, I And the reason I clarify a lot, because sometimes I'll listen with my own kids, and yeah. I know that they're like, what does that mean? What does big C mean? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and they're just other people who might not know what that means. Yeah. Not everyone knows what big C means. But I think one interesting thing about a child helping to serve is that you're working out at a very young age what it means to actually serve mm -hmm. versus uh, a, a kid term would right. be versus to be bossy. Yeah. Because there, I know that there is a temptation Absolutely. for the eight, nine, ten, eleven, you know, and on and on year old to think, oh no, I'm in charge. Yeah, oh I, yeah. You get to, <laughs> and so when the fact that you have a leader right alongside them to be able to help grow that is just such a great learning tool. Because if you're not, if the first time you lead something is when you are out of high school or in college, those are hard lessons to learn. And as adult, you just become this entitled adult that no one really wants to be around and it's just harder to break those habits you you better believe it yeah and that's what we're trying to to teach them uh, what's funny is i've had some adults kind of get frustrated they're like pastor joey it's kind of hard when we have these kids in here they're just you know they're not and the encouragement i tell them is you you have to see them as the next generation of leaders it's your opportunity to pour into these guys as much as you are to your kids in the room and now some of our junior helpers, I can tell you, your kids are some of them. They're some of our best leaders. And I would trust them with the room of, you know, fourth and fifth graders over anybody. Why? Because they've had years of reps of being poured into mm -hmm. by mentors, by, by poured into by individuals that love them and are helping them grow. So the quality of ministry is going to continue to grow as we're, we're teaching them and we're kind of going through the pain of dealing with, you have an eight, nine, 10 year old and they're serving. Yeah, you're going to have you're going to have problems just like you would with anyone else. But man, it's so worth it for them to catch it. And then for our adults to catch, man, this is an opportunity for me to disciple yeah. this junior helper too. It's been, it's been phenomenal. Yeah. I think an older model and, and not like now I, I want to preface this by saying I was given a lot of leadership opportunity when I was a, a child yeah. and then, and a young adult, Yeah. but in other areas outside of the church, it seems as though the, that pathway is actually you have to strive towards something. And then when you accomplish that thing, then you can have this yeah, responsibility. Absolutely. And then you strive. And then, and there's really not a lot of mentorship involved. There's yeah. some teaching. Yeah. And then you, and then you pass this test or this assessment. And now then suddenly you're supposed to do it without any real life context. Yeah. 
And I think what now what what I'm I feel like I'm seeing in just having my children um, having this opportunity to help lead in, in kids church and then in youth is that they become confident outside of the church, yeah, which absolutely. is what we want. Absolutely. Now they're in their school systems yeah. and they are stepping up to lead and they're not afraid of doing it yep. because there, there can be some fear when oh, you absolutely. step out and all eyes are on you. A lot of people don't like that. No. That whole, the whole like number one fear being public speaking yeah. or whatever number, however it ranks. A lot of people don't like that. Um, and I would say that leading or all eyes are on you feels a lot like a public speaking. Yeah. So what you have are these children who are not only spiritually grounded yep. because of the content they're getting at church, but practically speaking, they know how to lead their yep. peers who yeah, don't absolutely. know Jesus, absolutely. who don't or may not know Jesus. It's just fantastic. I love it. Yeah. We have to be better as in ministry to equip the younger generation because they're the ones who are going to continue on mm-hmm. what God has for them. So even with with me joking about being a young adult, I'm coming to a place where I got to start handing off my knowledge and the things that my principles, not my preference, because there's a difference. You know, sometimes I think we teach people principles, our preferences, this is how I prefer mm, it over yeah. principles. I got to hand off my principles to the next generation. They're going to be more creative, more contextually um, viable to the, the people around them. I have to hand the baton off. Yes. And that's hard, but but it's necessary. And I think it needs to start young and we need to keep pushing it down because I believe revival, I believe in what God's going to do is going to come from a younger generation that has faith and that is equipped with principles passed down that will eventually multiply and, and, and change the world. Yes. This is so good. In your, in your line of working um, with the leader, because I, I realize you're pastoring the pastors of these yeah, departments. Now, certainly you've had, you know, with kids, you you were in that yeah. world. I Actually, I don't know how much with youth or young adults, like hands-on, but I know you're pastoring the pastors. Yeah. This is correct to say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So are there, are there some cultural challenges that we're finding? Because you mentioned revival, and yeah. sometimes it's hard to see that. Yep. I think some older, uh, some of the older generation has a really difficult time because we yep. see things happening in culture. Yep. We see things um, kind of like, it just feels like falling apart. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to imagine that a younger generation would be where revival starts. Right. And yet I do, I do believe Absolutely. that is what it is. But are there some cultural challenges that you're finding? Absolutely. That you're up against? Can I give you a, a podcast recommendation? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. uh, this cultural moment. That's called this yes, cultural. This cultural moment, moment is okay. a podcast that was recommended to me by a, a few of my ministry friends, and it's a game changer. And in that podcast, what they're talking about is culture, and the fact that if you look back through church history, and you look at when the times got worse, when they when it was at the end of its rope, where it looked like everything was going to just implode, that's when the grace and power and the anointing of God fell. Hmm. And so what we can hold hope in, that no matter what it looks like around us, whether it's the political environment or the religious environment or the things that we're facing, when it gets to its worst, that's when God can do his best. That's when the power of God comes in and does does its work. And I feel like culture, the way that we overcome culture is not by fitting in or being cool. 
It's mm-hmm. that we seek God's face like never before. Mm-hmm. That we allow God to speak in and through us. That people, you know, Jonathan Edwards said, I, I set myself on fire so that other and other people come to watch me burn. What mm-hmm. he was saying is, I'm not going to worry about strategizing or doing the right thing or being cool. I'm going to be so in love with Jesus yeah. that when people see me, they know there's a difference. That's how we counter culture. That's how we really make a mark because we can't do it on our own. It's hopeless on our own. But with him, he can do all things. Yeah. And so I've kind of stepped away from, hey, I'm going to try to fit in and be cooler than culture. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm going to do I'm going to do this because they do that and do this. And said, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to seek God's face. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fervently call out to him because when we do that, we take it out of our hands. We put it in his hands. And that's what this world needs to see. That's what the next generation needs to see. And so culture and everything about this world is not going in the direction that we feel like it should go. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that we we serve a God that does his greatest works when it gets the darkest. That's true. And that's so full of hope, too. Yeah. That's such a hope. And I think we need to remember that, yeah. that we have a hope that we can cling to and yeah. we don't need to despair. Yes. And, that, and you know, one of the big things, and I think for me personally, but also telling my children, but yeah. even the people around me, that God has put you for such a t- put you here for such a time as Absolutely. this. You no. weren't put in the wrong year. You weren't born in the wrong year. No. God knew these things would happen. Yep. And so, yeah, there's a there's a trust that we can have in him. Sometimes I think that at least in the in the church world when we try too much to adapt to culture, yep. um I to me it's it's noisy. Yep. That's the only word I can think to describe it. It you're just better. becomes noisy. And you're really there's a core, there's something inside that the noise is distracting everyone from hearing or seeing. Yep. And then also it just feels counterfeit. Yeah. I think people know that. So yeah. when the church tries too much, a little too hard uh, to replicate the culture around them, I think people usually are like, yeah, this is, this isn't actually culture. You're just trying to make it yours, but you're actually in your attempt to relate to us, you're hiding what is actually the core yep. belief. And now certainly we're not going to make things boring. And, no, absolutely you know, not. Yeah, I, we could probably give a ton of examples and how it's appropriate to to adapt to culture. But yep. yeah, I love that. I mean, we do. We need obedient leaders yep. who are going to, to speak the truth and, and walk in the truth. Absolutely. I love that quote. Jonathan Edwards, man, I remember reading Sinner, he, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry oh, God, right? Yep. I remember reading that in high school thinking, revival's happening now in me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just reading this. Absolutely. And it's funny, that's where it starts. You know, I think mm. uh, when you really... Rewind that. Come on. And write it down. Play that again. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Jo- Pastor Joey. Yes. Sometimes I like to break out in song. No, I love that. I mm, do that too. Just happened. I call it w- Willy Wonking. <laughs> no, seriously. Willy it, Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, because he Cause just he busts does. out with song. Yeah. And my girls just look at me at, at this point and like, but I can see that you could probably rock that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it starts in you. Yeah, absolutely. It does. It's the the cultural question the reaching people question before it can affect others it has to affect you Mm -hmm. Um, if you have a desperation and a brokenness and a compassion that's been my biggest prayer because it's so easy for us to disconnect with good things the world Mm -hmm. needs to see someone that's broken that's desperate that's compassionate that their heart breaks that stands with for the truth that loves people well and uh, man, that's who God is. And if mm-hmm. we want to emulate him, that's what culture needs to see. 
Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Is this church? Yep. Is this church happening right now? Yep. Um, I'm thinking, what was I going to say? I was just thinking a lot of times we wait for other people. Yeah. You know, we, we, we say I'm in my church and they're not doing this or, you know, I, my small group isn't doing this. And I think sometimes God might be wondering, well, why aren't you doing something? I've yeah. called you to be a leader. You might not have title leader. Yep. You might be, you might be a teacher in your school, yep. not a pastor at the church, but you, you can burn on the inside. Yep. You know, you can do those things on the inside and he can empower individuals in such a way that they can reach people and and walk in his ways that no other people could i mean we could go what is stopping us from going to the grocery store seeing that very obviously the person down the aisle is distraught what's stopping us from going and praying for them fear is the only thing i can think of and the and the um these incessant but wrongly placed need to feel like we have to fit in come on that's what I'm saying. That's that is where like no no you don't need a crowd of people to do that. Yeah. It has to start from you. You know so. the world needs to see solid non-anxious lovers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That yes, that non-anxious. They're not worried. <laughs> yeah. You're not anxious that there's a confidence in the God that I serve is amazing that he loves me, that he is a creator of all. And if the world can see that in us, now why why is it, why aren't they freaking out? Why aren't they worried? Why aren't they on the you know the the hamster wheel of life? Why aren't they trying to consume, consume, consume? But it's just a, a confidence that comes in Jesus that He provides. I'll have everything I need in the world that is fighting and struggling, and and the sides are getting louder and louder. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, it, even in that, I think there's a silent majority that's tired of both sides yelling. But if they can see believers love Jesus and then aren't worried, that's going to make a huge difference in, in who we're called to be. Yeah. And it's and it's not like they're not worried out of ignorance. No. Because sometimes, depending on that's how... That's really good. Yeah. Depending on how a person comes across, it can be seen as ignorant. But if you're a well-versed or or in or uh, knowledgeable in your faith... Absolutely. Then it comes across as, no... No, I'm, I'm knowledgeable and I'm, I, I'm very aware actually yeah. of what's going on around me and I carry the peace, not I'm ignoring everything so that's good. going around me. Yeah, because that's they, it swings that way. They're like, yeah. well, I'm just going to ignore and everything's great. Yeah. No, I, I actually am really in tune with the reality and it scares me to death. Mm-hmm. But because I serve a God that is in control, I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to pray and I'm going to allow him to be my confidence. And mm-hmm. that's that's just not, you don't see that. You don't see that in today's world. You see craziness. You see, I need more. I need to get more. I need to have this great image as opposed to, man, I just need to seek God's face. And in the face of reality, we have hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, too, that uh, that is a cover-up a little bit. Kind of like I said, the noise. You're yeah. kind of covering something up. Yep. But then also, the uh, in addition to that cover-up with having the neatest things or whatever is also the you're covering up fear a lot of times it comes across as anger yeah so you have people just raging at one another and it's and it's funny because it'll blow up your social media and it seems like it's louder than it is but if you were to look at like the percentage it's a smaller majority they're Mm -hmm. just really loud yes very loud i'll get on social media yeah and see see things 
and think oh, the world's coming to an end yeah. and then i go to my local grocery store and i'm like people actually really like each other yeah. and they're obviously different culture background cultural backgrounds different socioeconomic yeah. status like they actually are getting along yep great um Absolutely. now obviously now that is not at all to diminish some very real things oh, that we have to face regarding yeah. um, race issues. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's just, I could name so many things. You guys know what they are. It's not to diminish that, yeah. but you're right. I mean, and I think that if we look around and maybe pay attention more to what is similar and what is drawing us together yeah. than what's just driving yeah. a wedge to, to separate us, yeah. it's super important. It's, it's, we're being forced to choose, let's choose Jesus. Mm-hmm. and allow him to have wisdom as what to navigate as we seek his face and we allow him to be the center of what we do. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about this. Yeah. The transition from that young adult yeah. into going off. Yeah. And you know what? I think where I'm going with this is this. I love that pathway. Yeah. So you're going from one area to another to another and it's a constant intentional growth and an alignment of ministries. Yep. And you know what? We did touch on this a little bit. I was going to say there's such an importance in being integrated, uh, a multi-generational oh, integration. Absolutely. So it's not just your two-year-olds all together one day and then and then up to your like seventh graders or your only your middle schoolers, yep. but there is that intergenerational. Yep. How does that work with the young adult crowd? Because we've seen how it works in kids and youth because yeah. you have volunteers. Absolutely. Okay, then how about young adults? Well, we're, we're finding out as far as socially, you know, that's a huge need for that young adult. Right. age group they, it's such they, a transition they need point. social it is mm. you you think you know i remember being a, 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 at that age knowing what i wanted being really confident but in reality i had no idea mm-hmm. i had no idea so you're trying to come from hey i'm not a child anymore i'm a young adult now i need to be an adult but i don't really know how to adult and it's just a very awkward stage but what we really work on is if we can get them pl- plugged into the church mm-hmm. and serving like serving somewhere again you have a community of giving of yourself if we can have them in some type of small group where they're doing community together. And so just there's so much teaching and learning and, you know, it's biblical that we, we have fellowship with other believers. Yes. And so getting them in a, in a small group. And then also we, we are doing something right now that we're getting together and we're having dinner together and topics and we're bringing in elders and uh, some directors, some of the more mature believers mm-hmm. together. With your young adults? Yeah, with your young adults. As that, a kind of a small group thing, but yeah, there are absolutely, dinners. Yeah, that they can talk about life. And it's crazy to hear about, you know, the older generation, some of the things they had to walk through, and then they're getting to hear this younger generation. And, and there's a beauty in us in, a, in alignment of, I mean, you have someone that has all this maturity and depth of knowledge, and you have this young adult that, man, has the sky, the sky's a limit, this potential this hunger to be, um, man, to be used of God mm-hmm. or hunger to do something great, you connect them with, you know, that older generation is something that we're really working on is God, let us connect that um, they don't have to be able to relate in in a lot of things, mm-hmm. but let them relate in who you are and fall in love with what God is doing together as they move forward. They're falling in love with Jesus and his how to pray and how to worship and how to serve. And I, I, man, it's just, it's really cool to see. Yes. I think one thing, and now you can say whether or not you've seen this, but something that I have observed is it seems that every now and then an older adult 
wonders if they're relevant Absolutely. to the younger generation and kind of thinks, ah, they don't want me. They, they don't think I'm cool enough. They, they, I'm too old. We can't relate. But I think now rem, uh, remembering what it was like for me to be a young adult, there's nothing that I wanted more than to be around someone who was older and yeah. stable and who had lived a little and who wasn't in the same crazy Absolutely. season as I was wondering, am I going to get married? Am I going to be single forever? Do I go to grad school? Do I not? What about my job? What about this? Yeah, I wanted that. Did yeah. you, have you found that there's a little bit of convincing that needs to take place? Well, and I and it's what's funny is I, I really think from what I've seen, it's it's more the older generation that feels that way. That man, I just don't have anything to give. They don't want to mm-hmm. hear from me. I can't relate. Then, it, then it is ha- having to do with anything I'm seeing because this the generation coming up, especially the young adults. Man, they're so entrepreneurial. They're so mm-hmm. creative. They're so um, flexible. They're so passionate, and they're really knowledgeable. Like there's so many, so much greatness in these young adults. I really believe that they're saying, "I I want to be mentored," mm-hmm. but they feel too. I don't really know how. How do I? Yeah. You know, and so our encouragement is, listen, you see anyone that's doing something well in an area of life that you want to be pushed in or grow in, go after them. Say, hey, can we go to coffee? Hey, can we go to breakfast? Can we go eat? Can we sit down for a little bit? And when they start building those relationships, man, it is unbelievable. Um, it's cool to see them get start getting married and they're talking to this older couple about, hey, things they went through and walked through together. And it's, you're so right. It's just a perspective that they don't have. But I find the willingness, and if you can encourage that and set a time and opportunity for them to meet, man, beauty, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You you make such an excellent point, and I love that you encourage the young adults to do that. Yeah. Because I don't know that that's something... Well, I mean, when you're growing up, usually it's the adult who has the authority over you. Yeah. And then you can forget that when it's your turn to be an adult... Yeah you actually have every right to go to the older adults to ask for mentorship oh, and absolutely. it's stepping out of that mindset. So love that you encourage them to pursue. And then someone who is uh, not, not I, I would still be considered young yeah. by a lot of, by most adults. They'd yeah. probably still say, no, honey, you're young. You don't even know. But I would say that when, when students have wanted mentorship from me, yeah. it helps me in the busyness of being a mom because I am young because yep. I have my, my children are young, teenage and then down to seven years old. There, there's a busyness that takes place yeah. where I actually do need to be approached. Yes. Otherwise I'm just gonna, it's going to be hard for me to remember and to, with all the chaos. So yeah, that young people out there who, those of you who are wanting mentors do ask, it's an honor for those of us because we remember when we wanted that. Yep. It's an honor to be asked, and we want to help you. Well, and one of the best messages I heard around this was from a pastor. His name is Ty. Uh, he pastors a church in Lovington, and he's a, a cowboy pastor. His cowboy church, it's awesome. Was he at CMN? Um, or is that a different It cowboy? might have been a different It was a different I'm getting my cowboys mixed up. <clears throat> Sorry. That's all right. But he's phenomenal. But he did, a, he did a lesson about um, camp out, and, and I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, if you want to be mentored by somebody, it's pictured as if you're taking a pop-up camper and you're, you know, and you're setting that thing up in their front yard and you don't leave until you have had every opportunity to grow and to be mentored by and let, read every book they have. If they've written books, listen to everything that they say. He goes, you don't even have to have buy-in from them. Anybody can, men- you, anyone can be your mentor. Just camp out. 
and take what you can from them. And that would be the encouragement is if you see someone that's doing something that you want to emulate in your life, go ask them, you know, camp out in their yard and say, hey, I mean, not literally, mm-hmm. but I was going to say, if I look could. out my window yeah, after have a few this campers, publishes, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> I know they listen to the podcast. <laughs> That'd be really awesome. HOA's like, excuse me, Mrs. Brooks. <laughs> Why is there six trailers out here? But um, it's just a good reminder visually, like, hey, you have every opportunity to go and learn what you can. So let's take take that opportunity to learn and to grow. That's great advice. That's one thing that I learned too, a little too late. Yeah. Um, it, well, I want to say a little too late, but it also kind of confirmed something that was happening in that I couldn't, when I was a young adult, the internet was a thing, but like social media was just getting started. Yeah. Things weren't as widely available as they are right now. I, I really couldn't just listen to any podcasts I wanted. There wasn't content out there. I couldn't, and I would, I would remember searching for things even online and I could not find anything. Yeah. And so it was hard. It was so hard. Just We weren't as resourced. Yeah. Absolutely. We were still probably more resourced than other people were years before that. But I remember thinking that what eventually happened, what I, what I didn't know was that I really could have been reading, I could have been reading books by Absolutely. people. Yeah. I could have been listening to CDs or cassette tapes or whatever they were back then. And so that is a valid way of mentorship. And that Absolutely. is a little part of that camping out. You can camp out. You can have mentors who are not even alive anymore. Yeah. You can you can read people who you can read an Elizabeth Elliot. Yep. You can read about her, Jim Elliot, and things like that. So especially if you know what you're looking for. I mean, you you look yeah. and you're reading, and then you start things start popping out about how they, you know, were intentional with their family, what they did, and those are invaluable takeaways that are in. You just have to find them. You have mm-hmm. to look. You have to look. You have to read. But when you then you can instantaneously start using those things, and it's like. Uh, you have all this wisdom mm-hmm. from individuals and it's it's incredible but it's yeah. our opportunity we have to pursue that yes yes we we do at some point have to be responsible for our own growth well pastor joey this has been fun it's been fantastic have to close out but yeah. we're going to close out in a fun way yes but before we do that do you have any advice to young leaders i mean we just talked about more mentorship but anything that maybe you were wanting to say that i did not touch on no i i think um the biggest thing i would say is is opportunities are always going to be there i think when i was younger i was always running after the opportunity mm-hmm. don't run after the opportunity run after obedience to god wow and if you so can good. keep that in mind that hey because you just feel like, well, I have an opportunity. If I don't jump on it, mm-hmm. then I won't get another opportunity. You will get opportunities, but be be obedient to God. Hear his voice. Let that be what drives you. And then he'll open or close whatever opportunities he wants you to have. And I, I wish I would have held on to that a little bit sooner, mm-hmm. is that, man, opportunities will come. But God, the most important thing is that I'm being obedient to where you want me to go and what you want me to do. Wow. Listeners, he just gave you great advice. That That is really, that is really right on. It's so easy to get impatient yeah. and think that it's, or worried yeah. and think that it won't come around again. Yeah. A lot of times when we are patient enough and we are seeking the Lord, it comes around again, but even better than before. Absolutely. Or you're, or you're more equipped than you would have been before and you can appreciate things and and have more of an impact or, or whatever the case may be. So, wow. Thank you. I love it. Okay. So I sit at church in front of your parents. Okay. 
And um, they are some of the funnest people to sit in front of us because your dad is like, oh, he's so verbal. Oh, he'll shout him down. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. Come on. We're going to. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to go back and forth. Okay. So it's like an amen. Okay. But you know there's other ways to say amen without yep. saying amen. Absolutely. You want to go first? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Amen. But you just said amen. I thought that's what I could say. <laughs> okay, so what? for instance, what you just said was, come on. Yeah. Right? That's a way of saying Let's amen. go. You better preach. Bring it. I felt that. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Louder for the people in the back. Hallelujah. You know that's right. My God. I there's a man at church who says and my favorite. That's my favorite. If you're listening, thank you. Thank you. Yes. My God. Okay. I hope you were listening to that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I laugh so hard at that? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm running out. Do you have another? Are one? we still going? Yeah. No. Why are you bored? This is hilarious and fun. No, Let's a, keep li going. <laughs> a little bit louder. <gasps> okay, one time. Uh -huh. That was really good. Yes. I was sitting in front of someone. If you're listening, I'm sorry, but this was several years ago, so I don't think you are. But it sounded like the way the person said this, it sounded like they were eating food behind me. Because <laughs> anytime Pastor would say something, I heard, mmm, that's good. <laughs> What did you do? Were you giggling the whole I time? I was like, do you know when you try to like swallow your laugh, yes. but your shoulders can't stop yeah. and you have to bend over and act like you're tying your shoe, even though you're wearing slides. That's kind of like what was happening. And then, and then it, I was like, did that really just happen? And then I hear it again. Mm, that's good. <laughs> I love when people, I'm not making fun. It's just one of the most creative ways to shout an amen. I love it when people are verbal. Did you think of another one I was saying? Or no, not? I can't. I can't can think of not? anymore. Oh, I think I know what a um, what a Gen Zer would say. What's that? That's a whole mood. Is that right? Oh, I got affirmation. Come Do you on. even know what that means? Um, I don't. I know what Gucci means. Oh. <laughs> That's Gucci. Yes. Was that good? Is that an old one? Because I wanted to say coming in clutch, but that was like two years ago. Oh, yeah. How about this one from our days? He's on fire. Oh, yeah. That's good. God is good. Mm. Spiritus Santos. <gasps> Listen to you. Do you know what you just said? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Did you say it right? I is it so. Santos or Santos? I think you can say it depending on what region you're in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let a fire in my soul. Fuego, fuego, fuego. <laughs> Guys, we killing know you it. like that. We're killing it. That's how we ended this podcast. Yes. Thank you for listening. We hope you join us again next week. <laughs> Pastor Joey, thank you so much. It was awesome. Was thank so you so awesome. much for having me. You're welcome. Guys, we hope you have a great week. Tune in next time. I, like I ended my last podcast, talk to you again soon because I think I'm leaving a message on an answering machine. Bye. Bye. <laughs> what happened at the end there? It crackled. Did I break the mic? Oh, that was so good. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was like, say amen, but not amen. You go, amen. <laughs> I 
like, no, but like, not amen. <laughs>